I mean, ye gods, that's why we're in this performing arts situation. We all want to put on a show. We all want a good audience experience. And also, we don't want to be the schmoo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talk About the Industry. Today, our illustrious guest is the wonderful Laurel Shoemaker. Laurel has been working in the performing arts as a lighting designer and theater artist for 30 years. Currently residing in Lincoln, Nebraska, she is a freelance designer and associate professor of theater lighting for the Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film at the University of Nebraska. Her credits include productions with Hubbard Street Dance Chicago, Hubbard Street 2, the Chicago Dancing Festival, the Joyce Soho with Charlotte Adams, the University of Iowa, corporate events for Microsoft with Jaeger Design, and the University of Nebraska. Specific design credits include Flipside, The Patty Page Story, Lighting, Off-Broadway at the 59 East 59th Street Theater, The Marriage of Figaro, Lighting, winner of the 2002 National Opera Association Award for Best Production produced by the Martha Ellen Tai Opera Theater at the University of Iowa. Dead Man Walking, Scenic Design, winner of the 2008 National Opera Association Award for Best Production. Street Scene, also Scenic Design, winner of the 2001 National Opera Association Award for Best Production yet again. Cozy Van Tutti, Lighting Design, winner of, you guessed it, the 1998 National Opera Association Award for Best Production. And The Most Happy Fella, winner of Best Sets at the Waterford International Festival of Light Opera in 2007, all produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She also designed the lighting for Abigail 1702 and Avenue Q for the Nebraska Rep, the Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film's professional production company. Laurel has recently branched out into the corporate lighting world with Jaeger Design, Lighting conference areas at Microsoft Inspire Ready in Las Vegas. A native of California, Laurel earned her BFA from the University of Nebraska and her MFA from Florida State University. Early in her career, she was mentored by Pat Simmons. She is a proud member of United Scenic Artists 829 and also a fantastic person. Laurel, welcome. Well, hello. I love being a fantastic person. Yeah, you are. You are indeed for uh, numerous reasons, and I'm so happy that you're here for twofold reasons. Number one, because I have such respect for you as a designer and also as a person, and think that you have such valuable things to say um, and have said to me and those around you for so many years. Um, but also, I think it's really fun to have. Uh, somebody on this podcast who has seen me, who's known me for many years and seen me go from uh, from interested student into somebody that actually does this for a living. Um, and it's so fun to be able to work with you and and interact with you in a professional setting now after so many years uh, since you had such a hand in me getting started. So I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm glad to be here, and you can't tell, but I've been nodding my head <laughs> uh, as you've talked about all those things. And I remember when I first met you, and you were writing plays, and and I went to a play where I got a little pin that had post on it, and it was so funny. <laughs> I had my nephew go because it, it was such a great little. I 
anime, wasn't it? An anime. Oh movie? yeah, yeah. Actually, that wasn't the one I wrote. That was, um, uh, but I, I did. <laughs> that was called. With that. Yeah, I was. That was scenic and lighting design. And at the last minute, I had to play. Um, it was a. It was an anime style adaptation of Pinocchio. And at the last minute, our um, uh, Geppetto character, who was named Doctor Von Hackensack. Uh, he was being played by a film student that got an internship on, uh, I think on an Alexander Payne film. And so maybe two weeks out, I had to jump in as Dr. Von Hackensack as well. Oh, that was a fun time. That was great. You know, and that's kind of when I first, I first saw the Matt Miller (laughs) there. Here we are. It's history. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot as, um, as a quote unquote proper professional, um, you know, the the idea of uh, the experience that you have in undergrad and how it shapes uh, who you are as a professional. And also, you know, the idea of are you getting what you need at the time, even if you don't know that it's what you need? Oh, it's true. And especially as an undergrad, I think in teaching students, mm-hmm. it's more trying to get them to think for themselves and not feed them the answer, but give them the yeah. Give them, you know, it's like setting out the bird seed and hoping they peck at it. And yeah. hope, you know, and you're you're ready to come in and 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 um, help them figure out what what they uh, can't figure out. But I think that going to school is just more and more learning about problem solving on your own and knowing what questions to ask. Also, you know, when to ask question, when to figure it out. And yeah, and and you're right. So in form it, um, an undergrad. The degree is so formative that way as you're learning everything about the thing you are so passionate about. That's really, I love how you put that, um, that you're, you know, learning when to ask questions and when to just figure it out. Uh, that's something that I, you know, talk about things that you, that you needed to learn and learned, but didn't know that you needed to learn, you know? That was something that I got from you right after school when you were uh, uh, when you were um, designing for Hubbard Street Two and teaching me uh, how to focus a light plot and you know a how dance to dance light plot a dance right, a dance light plot yeah 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 because you already knew so much about lighting I I yeah, I knew a fair amount <laughs> yeah um, and the dance has a few shutter cuts that are different it does yeah oh man I hate uh, I've had a, a couple of um, scenarios where a, a a lighting designer that doesn't do a lot of work in dance will come in and say uh, you know oh well it's a it's a dance plot. So it's going to have to look, uh, like every other dance plot. And I, I always think like dance, dance plots look quite different actually. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know it makes us all nervous if they're not symmetrical. Right. And I know that we like to see the basics, but yeah, the, there's dance. Every piece is, has a different needs and yeah. it's, you know, and we're trying to tell that story with light and you can't tell the same story with every piece. With right. every light, you know, with the same plot every time. So yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have had the pleasure of, uh, you know, of our relationship, including so many different aspects of what we do. Uh, uh, I never, I never actually got to take a proper class from you, but I got mentorship from you and a real help uh, in starting my career from you. Uh, and but then I've also um, programmed for you. I've also uh, 
you've I've also hosted you as a guest lighting designer for uh, as, when I was a lighting director. I've uh, uh, I've done seminars for you and with you and. Uh, also we've just, you know, spent time together as production buddies. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the world in lighting is we're all become really good friends and, yeah. you know, we might split up and go our separate ways to do some other shows, but then we'll come back and pick it right up from where we left off, yeah. which is the beauty of a theater family is that we just hang in there. We, um, we know as we leave, you know, as we strike a show and we walk away, mm-hmm. We'll probably walk back in with the same family yeah. next year. It might be next month. And right. Um, right now in these weird times, it might be in a little longer, but who knows? So now yeah. we're going to have our family this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've loved you putting together the, that vector works family that we all learn new things. And yeah. Um, the Jaeger happy hour just to see all <laughs> of our, our theater family is yeah. really great right now. Yeah, it is. And, and that goes back to why I'm even doing this podcast. You know, I think we were talking earlier about this. I think that what we do has value and that right now it's good to remind ourselves of that. And doing this podcast is a really great excuse for me to bring people in like yourself, whom I have deep, deep respect and affection for and talk with you about the thing that we have done together and love doing. And it allows me to highlight the some of the wonderful people I've worked with in my career, but also there's so much value in their wisdom in your in our shared experience. Um, and also it's a great just excuse to reconnect. Yeah, I can either be out pulling weeds or we could talk about the thing we're most passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I'm curious how you uh, like to describe yourself to um to people that aren't familiar with you, because I, you know, it's so easy to think of you as just a lighting designer, but also you're a professor, an excellent professor. Also, you uh, you do scenic design, and I've seen you in action. When you think about lighting design, you aren't just thinking about the lighting; you're thinking about the the stage picture as a whole. Does that does that come from learning about scenic design early on as well as lighting, or does that come from just your time uh, from time spent in the dance world well here's here's what i know mm-hmm. um i started out wanting to be a scene designer oh okay um my scene design teacher said i had to know how to draw yeah and um for me drawing is like teaching a pig to sing yeah it just makes us both mad <laughs> and, um, i like to draft because there's nothing more lovely than a straight edge yeah yeah so I got, I thought, well, if I can't be a scene designer, I'll be a lighting designer because I still want to be involved. I still want to be a part of the picture. Yeah. And, and then as, as I've been designing, you know, I did a lot of lighting. And then all of a sudden I was doing a lot of scenery because I figured out I could build a model. Ooh. And, <laughs> oh, well, I can communicate. And so it's all different ways to visually communicate yeah. and tell a story. So then I got into that. Uh, we were just talking offline about how the lighting designer are is pretty much the the set of eyes that sees everything yeah. during that tech rehearsal. I mean, scene designers are looking specifically at, you know, is it painted right and is it finished? And costume designers are looking at the frills and the and the buttons and the sparkles and 
mm-hmm. all the, and the textures and everything. And the, but the lighting designer has to make the complete picture. Yeah. They have to tell the audience where to look, mm-hmm. what to think when they look where they're supposed to look. Yeah. And so I don't want them distracted by wrinkly black drapery. Right. I don't want them distracted by a wrinkly psych or mm-hmm. so I'm either going to get my light off of it or I'm going to ask somebody to straighten it because I'm the last one yeah. who sees the picture before the audience comes in. And also because of my background and I'm, I'm, I know lots of people have a similar background, but because I have designed scenery and lights and I have a little clue about how the world turns, <laughs> I, um, I kind of know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. Out, you know that you know. Can, can you can you fly that drapery out just another inch yeah. so it doesn't paddle? And so I just know a few things, and I think that also comes with some years of experience doing shows and knowing we need to. We want the audience to have this great experience, and we want to look really sharp, and then we want to tell our story, and we want to change their lives. Yeah, that's really great. As you were talking, it made me think. I unconsciously think of the um, of the people in my professional network uh, in categories of having different superpowers. And I <laughs> and I, I have long thought that your superpower is communication and how you handle people. I've seen you in all different kinds of situations, just understand exactly who to talk to or how to say it or how to get there. And it's, you know, uh, when you're in an industry, where that's important and is a skill set, uh, seeing somebody else do it really well is quite impressive. Oh, that's that's really kind. <laughs> I often think I'm not that great a lighting designer, but I can get somebody out of a tree. <laughs> if they're up in a tree, and, and a lot of that has come with, um, uh, I don't know, I'm pretty empathetic. Mm-hmm. When I come in a room, it's not about me, but what's going on in the room. Yeah. I read the room. And is it tense or are we all happy? Yeah. Or, you know, let's, and also let's read who we're going to talk to. Cause you know, you and I, we talked for a minute about working with Ohad Naharin. Yep. And, um, he is very intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is very passionate. Yeah. And so when I worked with him for, and it was just for a fleeting moment, but I knew because I had read of the schedule of the day that he had been rehearsing his dancers all morning, four straight hours. Yeah. So my first question to Ohad was, mm-hmm. how are you? Mm-hmm. Do you need some water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you need? What can we get you to make this a good situation? And he was, he said, oh my gosh, if I could have a bottle of water, that would be great. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understood that. Perhaps he was tired and spent and thirsty. Yeah. Also, I made sure that before we started our queuing session, before he came in the room, we looked ready. We had all the flies and we had all the, everything looked ready so that he felt like he was. And and this is what I want to do with all my directors or choreographers Mm -hmm. or or corporate um, representatives, all that. Yeah. I want them to think they're the only person we're here for. Yeah. And that helps us get, because we are there to please, not please, but we've, we're collaborating to make the story. Right, right. But there is a leader in the collaboration, and usually that's the director or the choreographer or mm-hmm. someone. And so we want to make sure that that leader can, his vision can be communicated and that we can 
communicate it back to him through our work. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I love to leave my ego at the door. I, I actually don't know. I, I don't have much of an ego anyway. <laughs> it's never served me well. And <laughs> I want to get to what the what the nth degree is. What is the goal? Yeah. We were doing a, a corporate event mm -hmm. and the scenery had come in in a couple of different sizes. And so the masking wasn't touching the floor. Right. Yeah. And there was a situation. Mm -hmm. And when they got to um, gathering all the design team together, the lighting and scenery and sound and projections and tech direction and everything, we they uh, they said, you know, well, the masking doesn't touch the floor. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you need from me? And they mm -hmm. said, oh, could you drop the truss eight inches? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> do it. That'll yeah. give us a show. It's not going to throw me that far off. Yeah. And you have to weigh. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. When do you give and when do you hold on? Mm -hmm. You don't want to compromise the look. Right. And nobody knows what it took to get the truss in the right place in, in relationship to the performer on stage. Yeah. Except for the lighting designer. And so mm -hmm. perhaps dropping the truss was going to make too many shadows under a person's nose. Mm -hmm. But and, and if they said, I need to tr drop the truss two feet, I would have had to say, I'm sorry, but we can't do that. Yeah. That will make everything look wrong. And then we will look like the bad guy. Right. And so you have to, so it's a double edged and fine sword about when you give to be a collaborator, but when you hang on to be to hold your design ideas intact. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you guys, that's why we're in this performing arts situation. We all want to put on a show. We all want a good audience experience. Yeah. And also we don't want to be the schmoo. Yeah. <laughs> There's an old comic. It, there is a, such a thing as a schmoo. <laughs> and, um, I don't want to be the schmoo. And, and just the words you just said about mm -hmm. how, you know, I'm a good collaborator and I'm good working with people and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Frankly, I get jobs more because I get along than, oh, yeah, she really makes some really good cues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the record, you do make some really good cues and and when you need to quite quickly as well, I might add <laughs> some of those dancing festival uh, uh, days were. Those were hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Todd Clark, our production manager, saying, you know, if you can be done in 10 minutes, we're going to save $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, I'm almost done now. <laughs> I, not. I had 20 cues to go, but I thought, no, I will get those done because time is money. And yeah. sometimes, yeah, here comes this. Here comes the dancers. We better have lights on stage. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And that's a priority thing, too. I mean, yeah. that's you got to know, well, OK, we're doing dance. Let's get on those sidelines. And if that's the only thing we can have, then that will get us that get us where we need to go. Yeah, yeah. As you collaborate and you figure out and the, talking about doing this, you know, working quickly. Mm -hmm. Some of it I've been thinking, I know I have to work quickly. So I'm going to think about this since yesterday. Yeah. What is the only thing I actually need to have? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you have one minute, sidelight. If you have two minutes, add the backs. If you have three minutes, you know, do a color change, but right. you just have to kind of work it out, work out your time versus um, go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Um, uh, Todd, uh, Todd Clark, who you had mentioned, and actually Todd is, is uh, going to be on the show as well. Fantastic lighting designer. Yes. He's a really fantastic lighting designer. When he was uh, 
kind of training me at Hubbard Street, he we were after a show talking about you know design work and whatnot, and uh, uh, he he said the they were they're going to remember the first cue, they're going to remember the last cue, and everything in between is gravy. Uh, and so you know, in its simplest form, think you know, think of it like that. He we were talking about a one of my first designs for for a dance, at, um, and. Uh, that was really helpful to me, and 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 you've used that uh, analogy with me as well. If you only have one system or one minute, like what do you do? I think it's really smart, particularly for uh, younger designers, to go through that thought process. But it's something that I still keep with me for two reasons. Number one is uh, it's easy to get lost in the weeds by turning too much stuff on, right? And another thing that Todd said, which I which I use all the time, is if it looks wrong, take something out. Uh, that's something that you've stressed with me over the years as well. That's beautiful on a number of different levels uh, to me, mostly because it's so simple. Like something doesn't look right. Okay, we'll take the la- you know, last thing that you added, take it out. Yeah, get down to nothing. Right, right. There's things I think when I cue. Mm-hmm. And one is if it's looking muddy, take it out. Yeah. Another is don't forget foreground, midground, background. Yeah. You know, right before I say record, I go, well, do you have your foreground, midground, background? So that... And uh, I have my students look a lot at photographs that we think look cool, like Ansel Adams' photographs look cool. Well, why? Right. Because sometimes the shadows are simple. Or, mm-hmm. You know, many photographers that make cool-looking things. Yeah. Um, why don't we change gears a little bit? Uh, I'd love to talk about how you even got interested in theater at all and your path uh, through undergrad and graduate school and then um, into uh, North Carolina Dance Theater. I'm, I'm like a lot of geeky theater people. I got into theater in high school. Mm-hmm. First, I was in the orchestra for Oklahoma, and oh, that was cool. Yeah. And, oh, they need help doing props? Oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And my mother, as I walked out doing props for a show, and we needed a Bible, and I grabbed the fi- family Bible, mm-hmm. and took it to the high school to do in a show, and she goes... As I walk out the door, is nothing sacred. <laughs> so um, when I went to college, and I'm not very much of a planner or a forethought person, and mm-hmm. my high school um, advisor said, "Well, why don't you teach theater?" And I thought, "Oh yeah, okay." And so I went to college thinking I was going to become a high school theater teacher. Yeah. And then I got to this school, and. We are here in the middle of Nebraska, which is pretty much the center of the country. Yeah. We have no oceans, no mountains, no. um, We got a lot of farmland, Mm -hmm. flat. Yeah. So um, you don't get distracted by stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I went to this school here and it was very, and it still is a very, um, it's a professional training ground. Mm -hmm. It's very intense. Yeah. And. I walked in. I was so frightened to walk into the theater building. I thought it was the Holy of Holies. <laughs> As I worked in theater there, I learned about professional theater. I had no idea. Yeah. And I had no idea about unions. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea about stagehands and all the things that it takes to put together a beautiful professional show. Yeah. And um, so then I dropped that whole teaching thing. Yeah, I yeah. I'm going to become a professional lighting designer. And then my advisor there said, you should go to grad school. Mm-hmm. So, cause I didn't know what to do next. You know, okay. 
States accepted me, and I'm so thankful because yeah. Pat Simmons was um, one of Theron Musser's assistants. She also worked with Tom Skelton. I mean, these this is the history of lighting. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what that any of that meant. I just thought, <laughs> well, she lights dance and mm-hmm. she she's a she and I'm a she. Right. And, yeah. And I went to Florida State, which was a very and still is a very intense training ground. Yeah. And um from there I what did I do? Oh, a lot of us went to Oklahoma City and worked for the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma Theater Center. Oh yeah. I was designing scenery and painting and doing lighting. Oh, wow. And then that closed. And so uh, some of my friends moved to New York. And so I mm-hmm. packed seven boxes in the back of their truck and I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And I rarely worked in New York, but I used that New York address. It was so um, important. Yeah. Then my other friends were working for North Carolina Dance Theater. Mm-hmm. And one, their electrician had quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they called me and asked if I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to go on tour with a dance company. Yes, I'm on my way. Yeah. So I did that for a while. And I had already been burnt out by theater mm. before I did that and had already signed up to go back to school at a community college and become an architectural technologist. Wow. So that had a draft. So. I learned AutoCAD when it was still ones and zeros. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was weird. Yeah. Oh, so that was cool. So I I got off the off the road. I went to school mm-hmm. and I got by a small architectural firm that um, restores buildings. Mm. So here it is. I'm it seems like I'm tra- you know putting aside my passion for theater. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you look at your olive green clothes and play stereo and you are over, you know, you're 25 and you can't afford a real stereo like other people have. <laughs> and, you know, here you, you think, wow, there's there, maybe I need a new path. Mm-hmm. So I did that and I got that job and worked in that room for 20 years. Wow. And I did that and also freelanced. Mm-hmm. So I was lighting at the, the Soho Joy. Oh, the Joy Soho. Yeah. Yes, and I was lighting in. California and Chicago, I would tell my boss, you know, I would take a vacation time and go and light a show. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I would adjunct teach at the theater department. And maybe he won't listen to this, but I would tell him I'm going for coffee. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the theater building, which was four, four blocks away, and I'd teach life one. And then I would go back to work. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, it was fantastic. I was great. I loved to draft and mm-hmm. I was designing. Restoring courthouses and do, doing all that research that you do when you're a scene designer, yeah. and learning all kinds of things about um, construction. So I was adjuncting with the University of Nebraska quite a bit, mm-hmm. and they had the lighting position became available, and I applied and I got it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I'm just finishing my tenth year with them, mm-hmm. and um, it's been pretty great. Um, I've always wanted to kind of give back because I had such a great undergrad and grad experience. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to pass that on. And so happily, I was able to continue my professional line of lighting and take students with me so they could see the speed and the work that is done in uh, when you're like doing a festival or when you're <laughs> working with an IA crew and mm-hmm. you know, where your time is money. Yeah. And, so, um, but also we could go back to school and we could slow it down and, and dissect 
what it is lighting is and Mm -hmm. and you know and some people are so passionate that they have to have the light in exactly this spot and then they move the scenery and then it's oh no what am i going to do and then (laughs) i think oh it's only light yeah sometimes you have to remember it's only light (laughs) yeah you know on or off Mm -hmm. and so and you asked earlier about what i tell other people i do Mm -hmm. sometimes i love to say things like i turn the lights on and off i've got to on that (laughs) 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 and usually it comes with a hand movement where i'm moving a switch up and down yeah (laughs) sometimes i liken it to your dining room when you were kids and your parents like to do the mood lighting yeah (laughs) right right um so yeah so i got into teaching and that's been an interesting and exciting and pretty fulfilling career Mm because i've been able to help people follow their passion and help them you know guide them on a path so they can get to the next step whatever it may be yeah um so now i'm gonna do one more year with the school as a part-time professor And then I'm hoping to fill my schedule back in with more um, freelance work. I already have freelance work. So now I have a little more time. And um, I've got these little birds in a birdhouse. And so I'm going to watch them grow up. (laughs) (laughs) That makes so much sense about you uh, talking about how your experience when you were in school was so positive and how that kind of naturally turned into you wanting to pay it forward to the next generation, so to speak. Um, I think, uh, I certainly feel that way. Uh, you know, when you, when people like yourself or Todd or Steve Shelley take the time to help you, you know, get to the next step or make the, make an informed choice or, you know, figure out what the right thing for you is and, and are give freely of their time when you, uh, the royal you, so to speak, have the opportunity to do that for another person, you know, for me, I just immediately thought like, oh yeah, I've got to jump and do this. It, it's kind of like, you know, if someone bought you a sandwich when you were hungry, then you know what that feels like. Oh yeah. And, and I have to say this pay it forward thing is, is amazing because, mm-hmm. well, here are our audience, yeah. Matt Miller is the one who got me into the corporate world, you know? <laughs> And stage lighting and dance lighting and opera. And I've done these festivals and worked with Matt and quite a few of this. And then mm-hmm. one day he calls me and says, you want to wanna do a corporate thing? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then yeah. I said, Matt Miller, can I do it? And he was so good about, yes, if you if you did that festival, you can do anything. <laughs> and, um, and so um, that thing where we look at our community especially our community of lighting designers and lift them up and um what was great was i went there and um to do my first corporate thing and of course mm-hmm. i'm kind of scared i'm a, i i'm i used to be afraid of going to the grocery store so i actually think i'm doing pretty good <laughs> and i go to vegas and it's pretty you know i'm i'm kind of like creeped out this is <laughs> what my normal world looks like yeah Crews were so nice, and the programmers were so nice, and mm-hmm, yeah. and and Matt and his and the folks from Jaeger Design were just so great and so willing. If I ask the question, mm-hmm. they will answer it. Like, boy, I've never done this before. Yeah. Well, this is how you know. This is this is the show flow, and often you think it's a script. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
uh, we just have to be nice to each other and help lift each other up, I think. And, yeah. and work in all aspects of lighting because yeah. I didn't school the whole way around. I love corporate. Man, we get the coolest toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get some cool toys on the corporate side. Yeah. That's cool. And and they say yes to wackety, you know, lights <laughs> fly all over the place. Right. Course, you know, I take a lot of comfort in getting back on stage where the person's talking. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind a flash and trash once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good. Uh, good to work the work the kooky design kinks out in a good flash and trash. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved uh, uh, in particular having you on that first Microsoft gig. Uh, because I, you know, when I was in my last semester at school, uh, you designed the scenery for dead man walking and you brought in Todd Clark to do the lighting. You found me in the hallway, uh, and you said, uh, Hey, I heard that you're moving to Chicago after graduation. Right. And I said, uh, huh, yeah, that, yes, I am. And you said, <laughs> Well, just like, that. <laughs> just like that. And then you said, well, that's interesting because, uh, you know, there's this opera um, that's happening in a couple months and uh, I'm doing the scenery for it. And there's this gentleman named Todd, uh, who's a lighting designer in Chicago that's coming in to design the lights. And I said, oh, yeah, that's really uh, interesting that you would bring that up. And she said, uh huh. Do you think you maybe should assist him? And I was like, oh, can I do? Th- yeah. Oh, that's a really good idea. Laura. You know, <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> right. Duh. You know, and so I got attached to it and I did the assistant work and didn't screw the pooch too badly. And, and <laughs> we were good. That was, that was kind of the moment that things really, that my trajectory really changed because Todd was my first connection to Chicago. That wasn't, you know, a fellow student that was going to do storefront theater. You know, he did real, real large scale kind of work. I remember sitting at, uh, on lunch break at an Applebee's <laughs> during focus. And, you know, it was just you and Todd and me, and you were very obviously, you know, I was a little nervous about what to say to this person because I didn't know who he was or what his day was like. Right. Um, uh, and so you were very clearly providing, uh, an opportunity for me to like talk about myself and for then me to hear Todd talk about what he does, you know, and like, make the connection here, you know, it ended up, you know, it ended up working out so well for me. And then, you know, fast forward to that first corporate gig, you know, we all get to Vegas and the first day that all three of us are there, Todd also does corporate show calling. Uh, and so I had recommended him to the producer as one of our show callers. And I had recommended you to Jaeger as one of the associates. And we were sitting in this restaurant and I just couldn't help but think about that that lunch we had at Applebee's years previous, you know, as opposed to this dinner we were about to have. And I couldn't help but think like, yes, I finally got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, when you are, you know, a senior in college and you're getting help from people, gracious help from people, and you don't know, uh, you know, you don't know if you'll ever be able to repay it. And then, as an actual professional going like, oh, yeah, I can return the favor. You know, it was so validating for me. It really was. Well, and it's good thinking on your part. But I have to say that I remember often with other students doing mm-hmm. similar. Things. Once I was in Chicago and Todd had gotten out of the car. We were dropping somebody off. Mm-hmm. And 
um, to, at their hotel. Mm-hmm. One of my, he's a former student, but at the time he was my student, was was there and he was saying goodbye in my car window and Todd was on the other side of the car. Now, the, mm-hmm. you know, we're Todd, Todd, Todding, but he's such an open gentleman and he's willing to help and he has excellent connections to help people get work in Chicago. Yeah, so yeah. Are, my student was looking at me like, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing next? And he goes, I don't know. I said, I think you're going to go around to the other side of the car mm-hmm. and take Todd's hand and say, hey, it was great to meet you. Can we go out for a drink sometime? And talk <laughs> about working in Chicago. Those are the words you're going to say. Okay, no, go. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. And he did that. And yes. It, Right. And now he's, he's, he just like Matt, he's finding his way. Yeah. And yeah. Another thing you should go only to Chicago because, you know, I've sent people to see Shelley in New York when they, on their first, you know, I have students who have been finalists for the Hemsley Lighting Award. And mm-hmm. I, I say to them, okay, you're going to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. Here's the taxi. You're going to go get in this hotel. You're yeah. going to call this number. This is Steve Shelley. Mm-hmm. He will help you from here. Yeah. And then I, Sally and I say, Sally, I've got one of my young people. Yep. And Steve is so great. You know, oh, yeah. take sure they get to the right door. And I think that if you look around our whole profession, although sometimes we look like we are um, working against time and we're wearing our black boots and our all black clothes and we are <laughs> really intense. <laughs> take a minute we're all pretty nurturing as well i mean all yeah. of us i've known so many lighting designers mark stanley yeah what a nurturing man yeah and um ken billington who picked up coffee with you yeah because you yeah which was like so ballsy <laughs> <laughs> i think what gets in the way especially mm-hmm. with young designers is the fear yeah that they emulate their um, the other you know the more um, seasoned designers as one might say mm-hmm. and they are afraid mm-hmm. to say hello and pretty much all you have to do is say hello yeah and so email is makes it so much easier now oh yeah sure hide in an email when I was in New York as a young mm-hmm. person and had you know I mentioned being afraid of the grocery store so yeah. imagine what the phone did to me. <laughs> Well, I was so afraid to make phone calls. And I have to say, I was pretty much a failure living in New York and trying to work there. Yeah. So, and and I have no regrets, but, you know, I wish I'd be better at that. Yeah, sure. I say to people, don't be afraid. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Well, they might say no. Right. 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 And you still go get a coffee at the Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody says no, you right. still can put on your favorite socks and shoes and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, that's one thing I try to instill is don't be afraid to ask in any situation. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, you never know when they say, oh, yeah, I need somebody who can deal with Vectorworks. Right. My guy quit. And then, poof, you're in. Right, yeah. You know, have a good attitude, be willing to help. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's really important to, uh, to highlight how, as you say, how nurturing the people in this industry are. And I I've seen that at all different levels and that doesn't mean that we're all perfect people, right? We're all kooky theater dorks at some point that may or may not be afraid of the grocery store or, uh, may or may not be, uh, looking for love at the Renaissance fair. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's natural. Um, Mike Appel, uh, who is a wonderful lighting designer and programmer, um, he and I were talking about this once and he, uh, he, he was the first person that I, that I heard kind of refer to it as family you know, and, and since he said that to me, I've heard many other people say it, but that, you know, you talk about your, your, you have your family and then you have your, your second family or your road family, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's so interesting, you know, because we, we, I mean, it is a business, right. And you, and, and it's good to remember that, but also, you know, that doesn't mean that you're, that the people that you work with are, opponents you know quite the opposite and when we lift each other up we lift the industry up i think so too i that's it's why i really do think it's your superpower uh dealing with people you know the empathy is is not easy i think it comes naturally to a lot of folks the older i have gotten the more i have come to realize that like empathy is something that sometimes you have to work at it totally. and it's difficult, you know, it's not, it's not always the easy thing to do, right? Looking at it from somebody else's perspective. Right. It's that I, I'm, I'm such a huge reader and mm -hmm. I used to hide in my room and read all the time. Yeah. And that whole thing about walking in someone else's shoes really affected me as a young person. Yeah, sure. And that's what empathy is, is put yourself in their position, whether it's and rehearsing dancers for a whole morning and they're thirsty yeah. or they just flew in. You can tell because there's the suitcase. Right. Plug in and then, you know, flying is draining. In the yeah. Or, you know, or maybe it was their birthday last night and they're coming in a little bubbled up. <laughs> um, yeah. But still empathy for all of that stuff is, is understanding who you're working with. And if you if you want more here, let me do a little plug. Patty Ron, yeah. R A U N, she did this great TED talk on empathy, and I'm sure it's in their archives. She did it a long time ago. Yeah. But it's just by the way, she went to, you know, Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film. Uh, she did a lovely talk on empathy and and what our world needs most is that is right, you know. All the time. I was going to say, especially right now, but I'm not really going to say that. I'm going to say we always need to yeah. empathize with, you know, who's walking across the street. Yeah, I like. Uh, I'll I'll look this. I'll look up this TED talk because uh, I love TED talks. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that you and I have talked about occasionally over the years is, um, uh, as a dude, as a straight man. I, like a lot of things are easier for me than many other people on the planet, right? And one of the things that that the industry has often struggled with is the gender dynamic between men and women and who is given a seat at the table. And uh, I have so much respect for you on so many different levels. I I have been able to learn by example or learn directly from you better ways to interact with my female colleagues or better decisions to make that affect them that I might not have thought about the, on the first go around as, as a guy. Have you found, uh, I'm curious of your experience navigating those waters because they uh, can often be troublesome, but also the, the environment has changed so much over the years. And I think mostly for the better, 
I hope. But also it's easy for me to say that because I'm I'm on the easy side of the fence, you know? I think you think you're on the easy side of the fence, but I think that there are things in the male dynamic that mm-hmm. are equally different slash difficult sure. as the female. I mean, because so many people expect men to be the strong one mm-hmm. and the leader and that's not in your DNA really and the expectations and also expectations with women. And it has certainly changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I lit my first show in a union house yeah. at state in 1980. Okay. So I'm not 30. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, one of the union crews, the only woman in the crew stopped by to visit me before I went into focus. And she said, they are out to get you. Oh no. As I was a young female student lighting designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, well, they will not get me. Yeah. And I, so I think the difference often is that women are, um, need to hold up their own so they know more than, than what one would think. So, mm-hmm. you know, I knew my plot backwards and forwards and memorized and everything. And I had, I, I already, I have this goal that I was taught as an undergrad one a minute for light. Yeah. And um, you know, keep the pace, build the pace as yeah. you focus. And, and, you know, if you come into something that stops you like a lamp out or a circuit not working, make some, make the fast decision, make the master electrician your friend. Yeah. Um, and that's just by being kind. Yeah. Um, so I'm often oblivious to that kind of difference in treatment. Cause what would I know? This is how I personally am treated, but I have to mention Mm-hmm. I have four brothers. Yeah. And my father owns a truck stop. <laughs> yep. So I have lived in a male dominated life since I since I came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, my dad when I bought when I got my first car, he handed me a set of it was a Volvo, and so he handed me a set of metric wrenches. Nice. And then we pulled it over the truck bay and taught me how to change my own oil. Nice. So my family mm-hmm. did not cotton to a difference in treatment because of my anatomy. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was kind of brought up in a male-dominated field anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think women would agree that we, as we go into male-dominated um, professions, mm-hmm. we just feel like we need to, to cover our, our, um, our knowledge base. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we have to come in ready. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, you know, people who feel entitled don't come in ready. And yeah. So been, you know, not fighting for a foothold, but you know, once we get it, we have to have, you know, we have to earn the respect of it. Yeah. I'd love to uh, talk some more about working with unions uh, and also uh, your membership in USA and uh, when you got it and how you uh, how you decided on that and. I think it's a, a question that a lot of students don't quite know how to wrap their heads around if they are approaching the end of, of an undergraduate degree or, uh, or an MFA, you know, whether to, to look to join a union or not, and if so, which union, and also, you know, how to work with uh, union stagehands versus non-union stagehands, you know, they're all waters that we have to navigate. Hmm. Okay. So first Working with IA, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. So working, I love working with the IA. 
And one one of the first times I had some scenery being put in in uh in California. We were oh, doing okay. a little show. I designed the set mm-hmm. and built it out there. I'd never had a shop build it. It was pretty weird because in California we build outside because it doesn't rain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> weird. And um, I lit the show as well. Mm-hmm. And my director came in after we got the set up, and we weren't quite done focusing. And mm-hmm. he and we were at end of day, which is my th- three favorite words. Mm-hmm. End of day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, he goes, "Don't you just want to stay all night?" And I thought, "No, no. <laughs> I want. I'm in California. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go see what the world is here. Right. Right." Yeah, so there's that difference of opinion between you because non-union you can stay up all night and right. unions you can't or you can but it's going to cost you. Yeah. And I love that about unions because they protect their their employees and we are then bid to make reasonable decisions. Mm-hmm. Decisions financial and time-wise and everything yeah. that have with a work-life balance, which is great hot words these days. <laughs> yeah. So I love that about unions. Um, mm-hmm. I love that they are usually very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's different everywhere in the entire country. Yeah. Um, but they are usually very knowledgeable and they are eager to do the work. Yeah. And they do it right, and they there's a professionalism to it. Yeah, yeah. I like that, too. I love that when you come in the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's great. And, and um, non-unions I also love, but, but sometimes you have to do more of that cajoling. Yeah. The work done to get people to – and they – they don't see time as money as much as, you know, the, yeah. the lighting designer is, is um, dependent on the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my show, whether it looks good or bad, mm-hmm. is dependent on the crew and getting the job done. So hopefully I've taken everything into account, my time in the house, my rental, my budget, mm-hmm. my time to focus. I haven't put 500 units in the air, but I only have two hours to focus. Yeah. So. Some of your design choices need to reflect where you are going and what your crew looks like. And so I've met great non-union crews. Mm-hmm. And so I love them both. And I, I personally, when you get down to brass tacks, I just love people who want to help me. Yeah. And I want to help them. Yeah. So um, I love a crew that's, yes, let's get that done. And, you know, we all know that lunch is a great goal. Mm-hmm. So let's stuff done in four hours and then we're gonna yeah. have a big life. and maybe she'll buy us <laughs> yep yep and maybe she'll bring us donuts tomorrow right right or in iowa city i bring tons of cupcakes on opening night that's right yeah i love them yeah because they are making my life work because mm-hmm. when i get out there to the board yeah and with my programmer and with my choreographers or directors mm-hmm. if we haven't gotten done it's you know I'm the, I'm the schmoo. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah. So that's my story about working with the IA. I, I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then I have a, my history with USA is that ever since an undergrad, I thought, Oh, that's the seal of approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so in awe of all the, the designers who were members. Yeah. And if you talk to older members and maybe even members, but who had to literally draft by hand their plot and then have it hung and then Mm -hmm. 
I had heard rumor that the guys judging you were the guys focusing the lights for you. And so as mm-hmm. you were calling focus, you were being judged as to whether you should get in the union and become a brother or sister to them. Right, right. Not. And I was I, like, oh, my gosh. And that opened my eyes to really being kind to everyone. Yeah. Because you just don't know who anybody is, really. Yeah, yeah. So I was really like, oh, and I was sort of like grooming myself to become a member of that union. Mm -hmm. Then I went the way of the architecture land and it became not a goal so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, um, well, you know, architects in USA, they, they have their own thing. Yeah. So I got back into lighting with the school and I thought, well, now's the time. I'm doing enough assistant work, enough design work mm-hmm. actually or design work i'm yeah. i'm only an assistant if you want treats and <laughs> do you want me to tell you that you got all over the black leg I, I'll, I'll be the one <laughs> anyway um so i thought oh i should i should try this again yeah and i was all ready to go to chicago and show my portfolio yeah. and the i talked to the gentleman in chicago and he said well if you if you can get three uh, letters from union designers mm-hmm. and send us your resume in this format. They had a specific format. Mm-hmm. And so Matt Miller, yep. Todd Clark, and Steve Shell. Yeah. They were my people. They they put the seal of approval on my work and mm-hmm. my resume had enough um, professional work in it that they said yes. And I remember getting the phone call. Mm-hmm. And running to my best friend, who is our production stage manager at the theater department, Brad Buffum, mm-hmm. and pretty much yelling, <laughs> I got a communion. To me, it was more of a seal of approval of my work and my profession. Yeah. Now, to other people, and they are totally correct mm-hmm. um, about getting good backing in your contracts sure. and being able to back up the fees you are charging mm-hmm. and having protection that the union actually offers yeah that um financially and business-wide yeah yeah and yeah i get that yeah but to me this other thing Mm -hmm. and um, it was so exciting so yeah getting the stamp getting the stamp was cool i know people do digital stamps and all that and i'm i do too Mm -hmm. but i got that rubber stamp and i like it yeah I was happy to proud to write uh, a letter for you. It was uh, it was a, a validating moment for me. Oh my god, it was great. Good. A validating moment for me too. Good, <laughs> good. Similar to you, I to me it was uh, it was a I wanted the stamp of approval. I wanted validation. I think um, just in in general uh, that anyone that has an opportunity to join a union should because i think uh no no job or, organi- or organization can ever be perfect but uh getting any kind of protection as a worker in any industry i think is very important particularly right now and you know if nothing else it's a group of peers that you can commiserate with on trying to solve this you know similar problems um no i just, i remember asking todd i applied after i finished um, my tenure as lighting director for Hubbard Street. And as I was starting to freelance and I said to Todd, you know, I want to get in, but I just don't know if I'm good enough. 
And he and he went, ha, 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 ha. you're definitely good enough. <laughs> right. Uh, each local is each office is different. And they've, you know, they've changed around over the years how they judge members uh, on whether they're going to get in. I think now I could be wrong about this, but I think now it's all kind of the presentation method that I did. But I, you know, I had heard that you had to come in, draft a plot in front of other designers and then and then focus a handful of lights and that kind of thing. And I was gung ho for that because I, you know, I'd been touring for almost five years and drafting all of these plots. And I thought, well, great. That's what I do all the time. I have to draft quickly and then focus quickly, you know, and make interesting design choices in a short amount of time. Like let's do this. And I, and I called the office and they said, uh, well, you have basically an hour to make a presentation and I was like, great, uh, how, you know, like, what are the parameters? And they were basically like, whatever you would like to do, you have an hour. And I was like, oh, no, I, I need to know the rules, you know? So I, I over-prepared. Uh, and it was interesting because I, uh, I had a costume designer, a scenic designer, and a lighting designer as the three judges on my panel. And I, I had an hour-long PowerPoint presentation with all of the highlights of the work I'd done. I had uh, I had the rep plot from Hubbard Street. I had a plot from uh, essentially our largest production uh, that I had done the lighting direction and and technical direction on. I had uh, three shows that I had actually designed, kind of from soup to nuts. You ready? Well, I had something like eight plots from eight different shows, and but you know it's not enough to just have the plots because you need the paperwork too, right? So I had printed all the paperwork and bound it up. And I, you know, they showed up and there was just this mountain of paperwork on the table. And it was kind of like, take your pick what you want to look at. And I remember one of the, um, uh, I think it was the costume designer, um, just kind of grabbing her thumb and flipping through the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the paperwork for a, a Chicago children's choir show that I designed. And just the look on her face of like, Oh my God, there's so much paper here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was so worried and ready for them to like take out red pens and just like mark things up, Mark it up you know, just like school. Right. And they were, you know, they were uh, uh, just impressed by the volume. <laughs> uh, and they asked me a few questions about the shows and I, I'm sure sp- sped through my presentation that was probably way too long anyway. What? <laughs> I have to remember that that plot is huge communication tool. Yeah. And it's your handshake, even though we're not allowed to handshake right now. Yes, right. That's how they know you. Yeah, yeah. To, to further that point, I have heard you say that uh, to many people uh, over the years, particularly your students, that your plot is your handshake, your plot is your calling card, your plot is how they get to know you before you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And it's such a simple idea, but it's absolutely true. When we learn lighting, mm-hmm. we learn how to hang and focus and we learn how to program and we learn how to yeah. plug everything so that we know what we're asking our crew to do. Yeah. So we know how clear that plot needs to be so that yeah. they can understand what we want. Yeah, I think that's so important. It's so it's so like 
terribly deadly obvious to me when there's a designer that has never hung a light or never swung a wrench. Uh-huh. I, it's if there's one thing that can shut a production electrician's give a shit down, it's a designer that doesn't give a shit about what they have to do. Right. You know? uh, it's one thing to have a, a kind of a theoretical concept of like, yes, they have to provide the power and the circuiting and the networking infrastructure for this show. And they're in charge of getting the actual equipment there and back, et cetera. It's another thing to like have actually done it and understand how difficult it is. Right. And understand, you know, okay, we're going to need follow let rest for this. Right. Is it going to be that important? Right. When do we do stuff with follow rest? Do we do it after lunch? Yeah. Um, you know, things, which is what I usually do. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding, you know, how, how the lights have to go on the pipe. Yeah. And, and also just the simple thing of the 18 inches on center. Right. I never do that because I would pack them all together. <laughs> and yeah. I knew I hung lights and I knew uh, I could nestle these and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But then you figure out, wow, this is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I'd love to talk a little more about, uh, about your approach to teaching and the things that you really try to highlight um, for your students, we've covered a lot of the, a lot of the topics, but I think it's so important to spend a little more time on, on what you tell, uh, students, even in just trying to help them figure out what they want to do in the industry. Right. Now, let alone whether they even want to do lighting. Right. Um, yes. Lighting. (laughs) I mean, do they, do you find that your students walk in knowing, uh, having, being sure of, where their path is or or are they looking to you for help to make that decision um usually they know they think they want to do lighting mm-hmm. um i mean i teach some students who have you know directors and yeah. actors and and um, costume designers and scene designers i teach young people who are learning lighting what we would call lighting one mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a class that's about appreciating lighting mm-hmm. a loving that Lighting will change everything. I mean, in this day and age, when we're doing all these Zoom things, you wouldn't believe how I'm judging the lighting and all these people. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I know all my little students who are not lighting designers mm-hmm. will know, go get a little clip light and shine it on their face a little bit from an angle. Yeah. When I teach that class, it's a let's love lighting. Let's just see what it'll do for you. See how it will reveal the form and change colors. Yeah. And then also I like to teach then how to talk to lighting designers. Yeah. Because if you have, I had a director in a class just this last spring mm-hmm. and, um, oh, she had to do the plot because it was a upper end lighting design class. Neither of us know how she got in it. <laughs> she had to do a vector works plot and she had two of them. And, wow. and as we were finishing the second one and she, I said, well, now what do you know about lighting? And she goes, oh my God, it's hard. <laughs> It's so much yeah. more in depth than I thought because in my intro classes, it's all about what's your concept? What's the story you want to tell? Let's play some music. What's the music about? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love to use music because it has crescendos and it has denouements yeah. and it has repetition of chorus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that whole rule about you can do the same thing three times, but then the fourth time you better change it up or the audience will become bored and they will figure out your trick. Yeah. Yeah. And so. We talk mostly conceptually, but also learn about nuts and bolts because yeah. usually my students are theater students, so they need to know mm-hmm. what it takes. And if you look at like lots of film people have 
come up through the ranks by being a PA, a production assistant. Those people are hanging lights and putting in barn doors. And yeah. But then we get light students who are totally in love with light mm-hmm. and can make beautiful looks. Mm-hmm. But now they need to know more technology. Yeah. And so then my my teaching gets very this plot looks like this, and I need to, I do, I get out the red pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, fix this title block. And if you don't use the same size here that you use there, then it doesn't make any sense. And where's your key? And why is it that size? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and picking at the technology part. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part is when we get into teching a show. Mm-hmm. I sit with a lighting designer during their techs. And I'll say things to them about the whole thing. Like, does your director know where you are? Are you looking at the right cue? Yeah. Be sure to communicate with your director yeah. where you are. and Because you have to assure the director that you see what they see. Yeah. You know, if, you're the, if your performer on stage is in a big old dark spot, mm-hmm. your director doesn't know if they should talk to you or not. There's this weird... Mm-hmm thing around the lighting board right and around the designers that directors don't feel like they can interrupt yeah yeah so this is where i like to say you you need to step away from that board mm-hmm. let your programmer and your assistant do some things and yeah. you need to sure that your director is happy and that you are on 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 point with them yeah and uh, yes, I see that person's in a dark spot and I can't fix it now, but it will be fixed for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think lighting is so much trust between the director and the designer. Yeah. And so much, of, and, and earn the trust, earn yeah. the trust. And this is what I teach a lot is that communication thing. Let's not talk now. Let's talk four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Talk about wh- wh- what's their idea for your show. And if, yeah. And and not talk with just words. And words are great, but sometimes you just have to get out some pictures of a rainy day mm-hmm. on some trees and say, this is the atmosphere I'm going to try to replicate on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, learning lighting is, they say all of this design stuff is 90% psychology. Yeah, I, I uh, when I... And and I've told you this before. When I left school, I thought like, oh, I'm so worried about like, do can I uh, do the drafting well enough? And do I know the light right thing? And like this new console that's out, can I program on it? Or you know, what sort of you know what movers have shapers and which movers don't? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was so laser focused on that because I was I was worried that I hadn't learned enough yet. And I thought, you know, it might be like 50-50 how I handled people and then how I handled the gear and what it looked like. And like, it's, I agree, it's like quite the opposite, you know, if you're lucky, they have an opinion about the lighting that you've done. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the communication and the self-critique, you Mm -hmm. know, Yeah. with my students, I'm like, well, what do you think it looked like when Mm -hmm. this is what I saw? And then there's those weird, simple things like... You know, if you light a transition with backlight, we don't look at the guys grunting when they're picking up a sofa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love to get into the queuing part. And mm-hmm. and I, I get all cerebral about queuing sometimes and how it's like a well-written, you know, book and how it does yeah. a full circle. And your last queue could possibly look like your first queue. And mm-hmm. how did they all speak to each other? Where's the climax? When do you show up? your tool don't use all your toys mm-hmm. in the 
five cues, then we might as well turn on the work lights. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Hearing you talk about that process makes me think about, you know, I think really good designers want input from from the rest of their collaborators. Yeah. The scenario of, well, if I do everything right, then no one will will need to give me any input is is kind of a falsehood. There are situations that might call for that, but they're few and far between. And so when I started my career and started trying to focus on design, I thought, okay, well, if I do everything right, then they won't have to give me notes. And right. now I've, I've got, I just did an interview for another podcast about the a show I lit recently for Bally Idaho, which was a wonderful collaborative process, uh, working with Craig and the work that I do now, particularly on the theater and dance side. If I don't get feedback from my choreographer or from the artistic director or the scenic designer or costume designer, then, then I worry that either A, I didn't look for it enough or B, they felt that they couldn't that that there wasn't an environment for them to give it i mean it's a great director who will come to you and give you feedback yeah and that you have notes but really you have to often go to that director and say what do you think yeah how's it going for you and you have to that whole empathy thing you got to remember things right like, oh they're also spacing so there's the happy wife mm-hmm Okay, well, maybe we'll look at lights later. And I often, you know, hey, do you want to talk about the lighting? Or are you right. still working if they're sitting or standing? Right. <laughs> and um, usually I've, I have a, I've already established a rapport with my director because mm. I've talked to them a few times before we got into tech. Yeah, yeah. So they'll understand that, yeah, yeah, I, 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 what, what I see is okay and I can't talk about it right now. Or they will say, you know, wow, I really thought it would be red. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, and then you go, you know, red, you know, red love, red hate, mm -hmm. red fire, red hell, red, you know, <laughs> red romance. It, you know, there's that thing about red, right? And yeah. So there's one director in the world who I work with, and that's because I've worked with him for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. We opera together mm -hmm. for 30 years. Yeah. And so I don't get many notes from him. Yeah, sure. Because we, oh, and I got a. A lot of notes when we first started working together. Yeah. Actually, he helped me build my artistic side. This is Bill Shomos at the University of Nebraska School of Music. Yeah. He actually helped me grow as an artist through his notes. Yeah. And through the way he approached opera. Mm -hmm. And I will always be thankful for that. But he made me a better lighting designer. Yeah. And it was because of the notes and because of the give and take between us. Yeah. During, especially during those first shows we did together that really helped me. So don't be afraid to ask a director for notes because they might have some great insight mm -hmm. that will really change the way you think about a show and the way you tell the story. Yeah. I, I, I really love uh, having collaborators that hold you to kind of a higher standard uh you know and the, and there's it's difficult to do that and not feel like you're just kind of pecking at the same thing right or or right. not happy with any of the work you know it's a it's a fine it's a delicate uh line to to walk 
And I think if you, and and it has to be rooted in, uh, you know, in the show, in the story and not in the ego from as an outside observer, I think part of the reason why you've done such excellent work over the years is because you're able to sit in that moment and not, and your ego doesn't enter the equation. I don't know. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, but yeah. remember when you come in to collaborate that if, if your ego is driving the collaboration, mm-hmm. then you are not, then you are not collaborating. You're just, you have your own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of Talk About the Industry has been brought to you by me. That's right, it's just me, literally. No fancy audio engineers, no sponsorship money from a lighting manufacturer, and certainly no trust fund to fall back on. Just an unemployed lighting designer sitting in my living room trying to find a way to keep myself from crying to sleep. So, if you're enjoying this podcast and thinking to yourself, how can I help Matt keep the darkness at bay? How can I help Matt keep the darkness at bay? Then why not consider sending an encouraging email to our official podcast email address, talkabouttheindustry at gmail.com. We'll accept such middle-of-the-road encouragement as, good job, or hang in there, buddy, or I'm surprised your podcast doesn't suck, or even... I almost finished the first episode. Why are they all so long? Literally anything will do. I'd just like to know if you're paying attention. Don't like the commitment of email? Yeah, I don't really like using email for stuff. Then consider using your thumbs to find us on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast directory of your choice. It'll help make my mom real proud of me. Oh, that's sweet. That would be nice. Thanks again to the, I'm sure, dozens of you who are listening. And now, back to our show. Uh, You've been at the university for 10 years, and you're transitioning out of it. Um, I'm curious if you've seen a big change in the kind of students you're getting over the years. As far as their knowledge of light or their um, whether they've been exposed to theater or how technology has influenced whether they choose to do this? I don't know if I've seen a big change. I've had students who have never lit opera and then in my house they light opera. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, I love it. Yeah. And so uh, coming out of a, a high school they, they've been at the top of their game and yeah. they've been the best lighter. And, um, and that's very exciting. And they, I, I feel kind of bad about it because they come in as freshmen and now they're back to being freshmen. And yeah. as you know, every time we change anything, our shoe size or our, and you know, or anything, we have to pay our dues again. Yeah. So when they come in as freshmen, here they are, they're going to have to pay their dues again. Yeah. And some, don't like that and some do but i don't know that it's different between in the last 10 years sometimes i could say to you that they feel a little more entitled yeah but then somebody will come along who doesn't who's great who's just who's really open to any you know trying anything yeah yeah no it's just a personal thing yeah you know, i um we have some nice equipment and we have the way we do things which try to follow a professional training ground of how we have crews and take breaks. And right. one of my students at the very beginning said to me, 
do I, can I, I really can't go hang those lights when they were designers. I said, well, no, mm-hmm. you can, you should be working on your design work. You yeah. Should be working on your magic sheet, making sure your colors are right mm-hmm. and research on what your cues are going to look like while they are hanging your lights. Mm-hmm. And you should be working on playing out your focus so that you time well. Yeah. And, oh, and then. After they do that, they're like, oh, I love that. Yeah, I have one grad student who just graduated. And he goes, you know, I came in and I thought, well, I really love being a technician and stuff. But now I totally get where you're at, Laurel. I like <laughs> not being a technician. I like lighting. Yeah. Designer. And I go, yes, it's, uh, you know, it's great for some people and not for others. We have pro- guys who are fantastic programmers. Mm-hmm. They are also fantastic lighting designers, so they're going to have to kind of figure out which way they want to go if they want, ch- you know, if they want to be Broadway bound. Because of course, everyone graduating from high school thinks the greatest place to go is Broadway, and they are not wrong. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. there's fantastic corporate work or rock and roll shows yeah. or regional theaters with beautiful shows that are very meaningful. So there's such a, I mean, such a wide variety. One of our alumni is working in New York lighting, um, lighting art galleries. Mm, Interesting. um, He works for Fisher Dax and that's so cool. I know that I can sit and whine and cry with a glass of wine with my colleagues about students. I think that um, in reality, though, they're pretty great, and it's a pretty individual how well they um, how well they take on learning in a new environment in college. And my only my big goal with them is that they also learn other things, like to go to the art gallery, to go to shows. You know, I've learned so much. I used to work at a hall as an undergrad here that was the rental house. Yeah. So doing touring shows all the time. Yeah. And see so many so many different ways to light things my wish is that and our students get so focused on what we're doing in our house that they forget to go see other things to go see galleries to go see um just to to go see other road shows to see um other things that are lit including sidewalk and the drive you know right right so um, I I would really love to uh, spend a little more time uh, on what we the way that, that I've heard you phrase it is uh, how to get the job, how to keep the job with your students. And I think it's valid advice for anyone at any level of their career, to be honest, <laughs> but particularly students and um, and younger professionals that are just entering the industry. OK, well. We talked about being, you know, a good sport, yeah. being fun to play with. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's important to be a good collaborator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in any position, you know, whether you are bagging groceries right. or you are lighting on Broadway. Yeah. You know, I know people want to be who they are. Oh, of course. And that's okay. You can be who you are. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, when you walk in the back door of a theater, the stage door, you have to be the lighting designer. And you put on the hat of the lighting designer. Yeah. Or the collaborator. And you you are that person. Yeah. You are also who you are. Right. But let me tell you, I have a lovely collection of wind-up toys. Mm-hmm. They do not come to the theater with me. <laughs> yeah. Because that would color what people think of me 
remember to put on the hat of the professional. Yeah. In art school currently, mm-hmm. we have our students go like with the opera in the school department in the school of music. Yeah, yeah. And what we do is we send them over there. Yeah. Not with a net. And we say, go work with this TD. I know it. So he'll, he tell, he tells me how it's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, we are teaching them things like make sure, you know, look at the dates, look at the crew, look mm-hmm. at you do it, can you know, all these things besides the con- conceptual and the artistic, but the whole business of it and getting the dates right and stuff. And they get a budget. And it's just like a real... It's sort of a job with a safety net. Yeah. So we have them start there. Mm-hmm. And then we also encourage them to get into summer theater, like at Santa Fe or Utah yeah. Shakes or Pennsylvania Shakes or somewhere where there's um, union professional lighting designers. Yeah, yeah. So they can see how they work. Because mm-hmm. the more you see how different people work, the more you can tune how you work to be within the parameters of a professional lighting designer who is you yeah well i don't want to be you know al crawford i love al crawford sure yeah i'm I'm, you know i i but i I like his attitude so i'm going to try to have that attitude too yeah yeah like that so we hope that by doing a little professional work while in school by Mm -hmm. working theaters that are a little bit bigger than um, community. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with community. We have very good professional community theaters in uh, Nebraska. Sure, yeah. And also, we I take students with me when I light things mm-hmm. so they see how the profession works. Yeah. And they might meet somebody yeah. like Matt Miller or Todd Clark right. or many of our other collaborators that I work with. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can get them to go be an assistant. Yeah. Um, I often get calls. Do you got? Do you have a lighting designer free who could program an MA for me next weekend? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's put them on a plane. Mm-hmm. Or no, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully um, th- through these in-school connections we've made, going out in the world with me and also on their own, yeah. make some connections to get the job. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with cold calls and being brave. Yeah. You know, I have them go do the Hemsley portfolio review. They meet lots of designers and they look at yeah. the portfolio and they have a, a, a place to maybe get a job. Mm-hmm. And they are acting like they are fun to play with. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Clay Van Winkle, we talked to, he went from that to working for San Francisco Opera. Yeah. Right. And he did an internship there. And, and was parlaying that into his next job. So right, yeah. kind of the deal is you have to keep your eyes open mm-hmm. and keep your attitude bright and um, to, and try to get the job. And I'll do whatever I can. And I have to say, I yeah. can't give everybody a job. I don't have a pocket full of jobs. Right, sure. I have yeah. a pocket full of ideas. That's kind of how to get the job. Yeah. And then hopeful, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to... I want to emphasize what you said. Um, uh, I don't have a pocket full of jobs. I have a pocket full of ideas, right? A mm-hmm. pocket full of potentials. Part of the difficulty of getting work in this industry is, at least initially when you get started, is that, you know, it's not like you can't, you don't go to the job fair 
most of the jobs that you will want in your life, I think, are people calling you up and saying, hey, uh, you know, do you have anyone to recommend? Or like, hey, can you, Laurel, come be a lighting designer for uh, in Vegas for us? You know, it's that kind of, uh, it's, it's word of mouth recommendations, right? So in order to be on the radar at all, it takes a lot of conversations with people like Steve Shelley or Todd Clark to say like, yeah, I'm, I've finished my degree. I'm here in Chicago. I'm, you know, I'm available for assistant work and, and you're right. It's kind of, it's a little bit, uh, uh, if nothing else, it can be a little uncomfortable. You know, it goes someplace where the entertainment industry has a hub. Yeah. And throw the dice. Remember, this is not the only career you're ever going to have. I'm the poster child for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Studies say you're going to have three careers in your life. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with this one. Maybe it's a rental house. Yeah. Maybe it's a house electrician or or electrician for a Lord theater or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, get in there to learn more and meet more people. Yeah. And, oh, whoops, maybe somebody needs a programmer. Well, that guy over there says he knows how to program. Let's hire him. Okay. Yeah. And then you got the job. So now show up mm-hmm. on time is late. Yeah. Yeah. At least 15 minutes before call is when you show up. If you work for Hubbard street and I didn't know this for a <laughs> while, but they say the bus is coming at eight and it's there at seven 30. And if you're not in the bus at seven 30, they're leaving you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's a secret code to some of it. So show on time is late. Yeah. So yeah. show up early with your, you know, clear headed tools, gloves. We don't know what's gonna what they're gonna ask for. So let's get them ready. Yeah. And yeah. um and then t- do the job. Do it pleasantly. Do do what you're asked. And if you don't know what they've asked you to do, mm-hmm. ask them. Yeah. You know, even as doing this corporate thing and one would say later in my life <laughs> but anyhow, doing this corporate thing, i'm like how does this meter work what what number do you want or right. how do you why aren't we hanging at 45s why are we hanging at 30 mm-hmm. i mean ask the questions it's not gonna yeah. if, if they think i'm a dope for asking the question i believe they you should not be working for them then <laughs> yeah so they might be the mirror image of dope yeah so, you know, <laughs> I, I, that's pretty harsh, but no, but I hear, I hear what you're saying. I think, uh, you have to, there's a difference between asking questions because you didn't prepare and asking questions because you don't know. For me, the, the path towards real growth is I'm going to prepare as much as I can. And then when I hit a point where I don't know what to do, I'm going to be clear about that and try to work through it. And if that means asking somebody else on the crew, great. If that means going into the hallway and calling David Vlad because I forgot uh, what, you know, which ethernet port is MA net and which one is ArtNet or whatever, you know. Do it. Yeah, then then do it. David Vlad, by the way, is this incredible programmer. Lighting. Yeah. He is so fun and funny. And he also checks his ego at the door. So. Yeah. He doesn't care. You can call him and ask what color is green. He will be happy to answer you. <laughs> yeah. He's just a delight to work with. Yeah. So, and that's what you want to be is a, somebody worth, you know, fun to work with. 
still years after I started to figure it out, it's still so interesting to me how much of what we do is dependent upon things that have nothing to do with our knowledge of the specifics of lighting, right? Right. It feels like every one of us is clear on the process of trying to navigate the practicalities of lighting design or programming or, or drafting or paperwork or all the things that you do to make, to make the, the gears turn. From, from an outsider's perspective and from my perspective when I first started to do this, I thought, oh, that stuff is really difficult, so that's where all the brain power goes. And, and it's not. It's just, I mean, it's important. You know, you, you, you can't be a hack. But also, you know, once you once you learn how to do that, then then all of your attention goes into the people. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we lose a lot of folks sometimes. They they don't understand how important the other people are. Well, and that's where um, that's where you you make some choices. Yeah. And, um, in your passion of it, because I, I don't mind talking to people and I sure. like it. And I like com- conversing about the minutia of whether it should be red or yeah. red. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I like working with directors. I don't mind. I, I like that. Now, other people who are so devoted about lighting and the mm-hmm. passion about making a light turn on or off, mm-hmm. left or right, up or down, you know, all the things. Right. But they love the technology. I don't love the technology. Just make it go. Right. Yeah. Like, Star Trek, you know, make it go. <laughs> That's where I get to make it go left. Uh-huh. So, um, and those people find their niche. And I think some young people put the word lighting design as the be all end all king of the world. Right. And actually, I'd really, I really appreciate a fantastic programmer. And yeah. I think fantastic programmers get more work mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to um, sit down and say to the director, well, you know, is this romantic? <laughs> or, you know, what color is green? Yeah. So, you know, a programmer, some, there are people in the world who are so good at making the lights go. Yeah. That would just die over having to have to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, me, I just wanted to make it go. Right. Know, help you make your life, make your show pretty. Where I'm going is that there are some mm-hmm. people who don't want that is that would terrify them. Yeah. They would be so much more happy working out the universes and, you know, and right. changing the universes and oh, here's a new mover and it's got sixty thousand things it'll do. Let's plug it in. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I make the gobos move. <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought this up because I think that, you know, in the same way that a designer has so many more opportunities than just going to Broadway, right? Or doing the Broadway assistant mm-hmm. route, which again, as right. you say, is a very valid route. There's a Excellent. lot of phenomenal work on Broadway, both at, from the designers and the associates and the programmers and the production electricians, right? But, you know, it is one slice of the industry and uh, it's just it's just more well-known than a lot of the other uh, parts of the industry. Oh, I get to say low hanging fruit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're transitioning to part time. It sounds to me like you're trying to set up a scenario where the department can be, you know, kind of a soft exit so that you can leave the department in good shape 
and also change again the course of your career? I've had this year tenure job, and the goal when I took it was to shift the gears of the lighting area to be more of a professional training ground yeah. to get better equipment to um, really work with Vectorworks and Lightrite yeah. and get my students to be really good lighting designers at least um, at least good at self critiquing and and growing and through lighting yeah and so here we are ten years later. Mm-hmm. Um, technology changes every day. Yeah. I'm not as good at changing tech with check not technology now, but I, I do have, um, AirPods. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my, 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 um, grad students, two of them graduated this year. And so, uh, I was done with their career time mm-hmm. and just like a good time in my world financially. And, um, just a good time with the students and where I'd gotten the department to be yeah. to um, walk away a little bit. But this whole thing about when you devote yourself and you mm-hmm. a department and you grow it, yeah. you want to just walk away. So I asked if they would like me to, to um, do what we call a phased retirement, which means you stay on part-time for the, another year. Yeah. And everyone was pretty good with doing that because i will help the new lighting designer mm-hmm. Jill harvey and she's going to be fantastic yeah i'm really excited about her yeah yeah she's going to be great so she's our new lighting designer so i'll help her transition she's not taught in a university setting she's coming from the professional world and mm-hmm. there's a lot of head banging that happens when you tr- make that transition so i'm going to help help with that yeah i'm also head of my area of design and tech so i'm going to continue that for a little longer mm-hmm. and help that area, my whole area transition to a new leader. Sure. Yeah. We as the department and me as my, me um, mm-hmm. decided that it'd be a great, a be- better than just walking away and slamming the door and going, huh. Yeah. Yeah. My department is really great. Yeah. The design tech area of the Johnny Carson school of theater and film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. We build stuff with CNCs and we build beautiful models mm-hmm. with laser cutters. 3d printers Mm and beautiful design work from everybody in the the you know all all areas of design Mm -hmm. and technology and so and it has grown into that so it's grown a lot um, yeah and so my dream and hope is to help michelle yeah keep up this dream and and keep it growing keep up the professional work taking students with us sending students out i mean i will still ask to take students with me even as i do when i get done here i'm not done lighting yeah i'm hoping to do more lighting yeah i will i will ask to take students with me as well as michelle taking students with her when Mm -hmm. they do stuff yeah so my hope is to do more professional work yeah I have a, a swell car and I like to drive around. <laughs> yeah. All these things about life balance. I'm I'm gonna pick up what what I what I lost mm-hmm. long ago and I'm gonna do silly stuff like go to national parks yeah. and go visit lots of friends all over the country yeah. and I'm gonna I got a little birdhouse in the back and three little <laughs> birds that moved in and it's so exciting to me. And one of my students who lives, you know, in rural Kansas mm-hmm. says having seen this before and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> and i and definitely i just want to do more lighting and i think yeah 
you know, and only lighting. And oh, I'm finally going to become really good at Vectorworks because yeah. Matt Miller here is going to we're going to do a class together. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm going to do a yeah. little training. I I think it'll be so so fun. I love I love helping people that I already have a relationship with in Vectorworks. You know, <laughs> yeah, so that'll be cool. Um, I've started using Vision, so I'm going to yeah. Could be that people call me and say, Laurel, would you draft up this plot? Because now I'm better at drafting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vision looks for me and I'll go, sure. Yeah. And I will take my cup of coffee and my little biscuit and Mm -hmm. go to my fancy computer drafting lab. Let's, I'm just imagining this. (laughs) Yeah. Could be that I work at Starbucks. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's great. I'm excited to have you uh, back in the. Uh, freelance professional world in a more full-time capacity. Okay, here's the big shocker. Yeah. Everybody goes, gets their BFA, and then they get their MFA in lighting, mm-hmm. and then they think, okay, I'm going to do some professional work. This is what I did, and this is what I thought. Yeah. And then when I'm, when I'm tired of all of it, I'm going mm-hmm. to become a teacher and teach in a college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always been the kind of plan. Yeah. So, plan came true my dream came true yep. be careful what you wish for <laughs> i all right there was a lot to this where i was kind of building a, an area building up an area from where it was there yeah. so i'm so i was nurturing and growing and yeah stuff like that but my gosh it's hard yeah i had been working in an architectural firm restoring buildings for 20 years mm-hmm. And here I go to this place and I am there at eight in the morning and students are greeting me at the door with questions. <laughs> and I made it home at 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. because I had a rehearsal because a young lighting is lighting it and needs some advice. Right, yeah. And, um, oh my God, the technology is slipping away from me. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, oh, wait, there's a bunch of academic committees you have to go to and be on. Yeah. Really, there's politics in shocking there's politics in academia <laughs> so, yeah. it's not the dream it's i one of one of the questions i got from one of my colleagues was is are you going to quit that architecture job or just do this and that and i'm thinking holy cow <laughs> so i was i'm i liked this i like this job mm-hmm. But certainly it's more um, time consuming. Yeah. And I let it be, frankly. Sure. Yeah. I don't have to come home and feed anything. Even those little birdies have their own mommy and daddy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't. But um, so sometimes that's a bad deal because then you don't have an excuse to go. Yeah, sure. But um, it was it's an all consuming job. And but it's very rewarding. Yeah. I can I can tell you where all my alumni are, mm-hmm. and they're all in the business, and they are all pretty much doing professional lighting. Wow! In in some way, you know, some form or not. Yeah. You know. So that's that's pretty great. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you know, it's it's a lot of investment mm-hmm. because we are forming humans. Yeah. They come to school, and you have to say things like, "Don't chew your gum like that during tech." <laughs> but you know we're forming adults yeah this is how you handshake open the door for people this mm-hmm. is how you you know have a business meal you know you don't right. start eating until everyone is served mm-hmm. and you don't sit down until the boss sits down yeah. you know etiquette's an amazing thing yeah 
But it sure can um, turn the tale for you. Yeah, it really can. So, so read some other book. Go read an etiquette book. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. they're, they're great. And the old ones are hilarious. <laughs> I think that you've done an incredible job with that department and with that, with that position. It's night and day what it was when I went to school. And not to say that it was bad when I went to school, but it was just it wasn't where it needed to be. You took it over after I left and I got to see it really blossom uh, under your tenure. And I'm so excited to, uh, to see where Michelle takes it, you know? Yeah. That's going to be cool. Yeah. You know, it, the, the area, the lighting area, it just had such trouble. You know how sometimes you can't get a car started. Right. Yeah. You prime it. So this before me, we had had four consecutive lighting designers, just about one a year. And it's yeah. certainly hard to get any continuity going. So there's mm -hmm. and that was just how it worked out. Yeah. You know, sometimes people move on or get better gigs or headhunted and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So had a moment here where I stayed. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of lighting designers could it would have turned this program around just by being here for more than a year. So yeah, sure. 10 years has really kind of, you know, given it some solidarity, some expectation. Yeah. So, yeah. So I can't say that I'm the one, but I happen to be the one. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, actually, Michelle and I uh, overlapped very briefly in school. And we ended up at a summer stock together in upstate New York. Uh, one of our summers, she, I was working in the carpentry shop and she was the, uh, I think assistant master electrician. So she's done some really interesting things in her career since then. And I think it'll be, a it's exciting to me to see the handoff and, uh, and exciting for me to see where the program's going to go. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, all programs you know, flop around with new faculty and old faculty, but ours, sure. I think it's been there for a long time and it's always had a great reputation. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that this will just keep it going. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm glad that you also emphasized work-life balance because I think that's important and it's easy to forget. It's the, I feel like it's the first thing out the window, particularly right now where we're, you know, we're recording this in mid-May and Chicago is still under a shelter-in-place order. COVID-19 has put our industry at a standstill. And uh, many of us are reevaluating our work-life balance out of mm -hmm. just necessity because... I've been forced to. I get to go for a walk every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, you know, you have to find it. And you can't blame anyone else yeah. if you don't have it. Yeah. You have to, you have to say, well, you know, I just don't stay after five. Yeah. You have to just, you, you have to make it a priority in your life, especially if you and normal people want to be married and have children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you want to, you want to do those things that humanity wants to do. Yeah. And yeah. I know that we are all, because you're listening to this, you're oddly passionate about lighting. Sure. But yeah. Remember, lighting's not going to um, take care of you when you feel bad. Yeah. It's not going to look at the Grand Canyon with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lighting is, you know, is not going to go out to dinner with you and have a nice time and see a movie. Right. Yeah. But we still love lighting. Yeah.
Well, I I have had a blast uh, having you on this podcast, Laurel. Thank you it's been so much. Really fun. Yeah, and I've loved it. Thank you. Good. Uh, any digital presence that we should know about besides the University of Nebraska website? I have a ten-year-old web page that's lshoemakerdesigns.com. Okay. So lshoemakerdesigns.com, and then also you can find her uh, bio on the University of Nebraska Lincoln Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film website. All right, Laurel, thanks for being here. Thank you. This has been another episode of Talk About the Industry. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Thanks for listening. If you liked this podcast, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to share them with me directly at talkaboutheindustrypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to find out more about Laurel and her work, please visit lshoemakerdesign.com. Or you can find her faculty bio on the University of Nebraska's Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film website. Both are linked in this episode's show notes. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Talk About the Industry.